This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Anyone ever ask this question? When do I get to relax? Anyone? Oh, come on. What's great is it was all laughter and not a single hand. And then about 20 hands when you all realized it was okay to raise your hand. Uh, but it's a question that comes up many times. Uh, anyone ever ask this other one? When is there time for me? So whether you've asked them, how many of you who have not asked those questions have heard someone else ask them? <laughs> yeah. See, you're like, yeah, see, now. See, my point in raising them is, they're part of what happens around us, whether you're intimately involved in saying them or you're the person who's hearing them. But these questions, when do I get to relax? When is there time for me? How many of you have heard the phrase, Sunday is a day of rest? All right. How many of you feel rested? Yeah, I see a few. I'm just trying to bring out to you some of these odd things that you hear and you may feel differently than what you've heard. So when is it my relaxation? When do I get a chance? Where's the rest that's coming on Sunday? Well, if you're feeling disconnected from those questions, then I hope you enjoy our journey today. Because our journey is going to address some of these things where you go, I don't feel as rested, so if this is a day of rest, then maybe I'm looking for rest in the wrong place. How many of you remember a very, very busy time in your life? Okay. So picture that time, uh, and then I'm just going to lay uh, a, a season in my own life on top. And your story could be infinitely uh, like more impressive. So I get that. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to get us all to understand that time when you were super busy. So I just graduated college. I got out, and I was a genius because I had graduated. <laughs> this is how it works, right? You get out. And they gave me a sheet of paper that said certified genius. It was great. My parents got it framed for me, uh, and then I took my certification of being a genius uh, to find a job, and they all told me, yeah, a lot of them said, no, not really interested in, in, in your genius levels. Uh, so what that resulted in, uh, I worked four jobs uh, any given week. So I was working as an intern uh, in downtown Baltimore uh, at a relief agency. Uh, my next-door neighbor owned a a lawn and garden uh, agency that he did as a side. He was a teacher, but by night I uh, did that. So he would let me be his weed whacker guy. So Saturdays I, I hit up for about 10 to 12 hours of just weed whacking. Uh, and then I had other days where I wasn't working, so I thought, well, what else can you do uh, when you are out? And I discovered, well, you could substitute teach because I had been doing this uh, through college. So I was substitute teaching. I was using a weed eater. I was an intern. And then because I just you know, was a glutton for punishment, or at least my bills needed to be paid, uh, I worked as a waiter at a black tie restaurant. So I was working my evenings uh, in black tie uh, at the restaurant. So I have many memories of leaving Baltimore, getting off the metro, and going into the parking lot. So if you ever wondered, like, what's that guy doing? I'll tell you one story of what that guy's doing. Yes, he is taking his shirt off in the parking lot so he can put a tuxedo shirt on, and then he is putting a black tie on and a cummerbund on so he can go to work. So if you wonder, and yes, T-shirt always on. It was G-rated. Uh, but this is what's happening uh, there's these interesting moments because you had to go from one job to the other. And I asked myself, I did ask, this is not what I went to college for. 
weed eating and restaurant and substitute teaching and intern was not what I had thought the Lord had led me for. My diploma clearly said, well, you already know this, nothing about those things. It actually didn't say I couldn't do them. Uh, it turned out I could do all of them, but four different jobs. My days just kind of ran very, very quickly together. Now, I grew up in the church knowing God's power. And I also knew this wonderful phrase that, that was uh, talked about the cross, and I knew that on Easter, when Jesus actually had died on Good Friday, he uttered these three words that made Easter powerful. It is finished. So I was convinced that anything in my life that was troubling or worrisome or having to work four jobs should have been, see, it should have been finished. Because I had been trained. I'm not saying church ever told me this. It's what I heard. See, this is the challenge sometimes. What you hear and what's actually spoken are two different things. But I'd heard it was finished. So when I'm going through this four jobs and life isn't there, I'm going, I think the church didn't understand. Oh, Michael. Oh, silly Michael. I was the one that didn't understand. If you have it, open up to Ephesians chapter 2. So we've got this question of when's time for me? When do I get to relax? And you've got a young man who's working too many jobs and he thinks he's got all the answers. So Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, uh, though he writes to many churches, likely a cyclical letter, one that would have traveled to multiple cities. Uh, and we find him here, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Now, as we find our way stepping into the text, we step back from the daily tasks. See, Paul is inviting this church, the people who receive the letter, step back and see what God's done. Because sometimes we get, or at least as my Saturdays were, we get in the weeds. Literally, I got in the weeds every Saturday. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is a different picture uh, than what I had in my early 20s. I thought everything should have been answered, everything should have been set, I should have had it all figured out because I had a diploma and it was all good. But here Paul invites the church to step back and realize God has a bigger plan going on, bigger than you. Here's the neat part, though. You're a part of it. See, the plan's bigger, but you're an intimate part. The plan's more than you, but without you, the plan doesn't work. It seems like a contradiction in terms, but it is actually central to understanding God uses you and me. Now, last week, as we studied the book of Galatians, Paul wrote about Jesus' arrival into the world, and he used this unique phrase. He said, Jesus comes in the fullness of time. That it wasn't an accident that things happened just at the moment that they did. The fullness of time. When did I want a different job? The answer is then. When did I want to do different things? The answer is then. See, we don't naturally have a perspective that pulls us back to see verse 3 and 4. Naturally, we live in today. How many of you know what you're doing for lunch? Okay, I've done this before. How many of you are now thinking about what you're doing for lunch? Be honest. Yeah, see? I just mentioned it, and, and you kind of, you've whisked away. Now, a few of you, I'll never get back. Some of you, you, you are there. And that is the sacrifice of that image and illustration. 
But here we go. We're going to go back just two verses before as we're going to watch God give this setting. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. See, Paul wrote and realized humans have some things that we share. The ability to get pulled away in different places. That our jobs, our vocations, the different tasks that we do are always calling on us. Whether we like it or not, they're always calling. But sometimes we will follow them more fully than we ought. Uh, that will allow them to tug away at us. See, Paul, Paul is speaking to the church about where we've been. We've been that person. We've been a person who's been struggling and pulled away. So where you are and where is it that God is taking you? This is our journey in Ephesus. Where are you now and where is God taking you? And they're two different places. While I'm working those four different jobs, I was uh, helping out at the church that I was a member at at that point, Faith Lutheran in Eldersburg, Maryland. And I was helping out with their youth group and just working with the youth and having a chance to see them and doing events on Sunday evenings and activities uh, and getting to sit there. And the neat thing is I talked about Sundays being a time of relaxation. I learned in those years that I was looking in the wrong places. Uh, relaxation isn't about your newspaper, your phone, coffee, a drink, or your shoes up. It's just not. Uh, rest is not about those things either, or at least not as the Lord describes rest. The Lord describes rest as repose in, in him. <laughs> There's lots of people who on Sundays don't actually rest in him. And there are some people who come to church who actually don't rest in, in him. But they did the mechanics, right? I mean, they came. They, they, they did tasks. Check off tasks. Did you at any point listen to anything in the scripture? Did you open the Bible at all? No, pastor, do you have any idea how much I volunteered for today? And in that way, the church let you down. That we didn't give you a chance to breathe. We did not give you a chance uh, to engage. We have to remember people are at the center of what's happening. Now, I've got you left with me there at Faith Lutheran. And I want to take you two more verses and then share with you a little about what I learned. See, verse 4 and 5, but God, remember, the world's pulling them away. Verse 1 and 2, dead in trespasses. 3 and 4, we're trying to watch what God's doing. And here we get 4 and 5, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. This is God stepping out to you, stepping out to me. Because he loved us, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. So I met a young man who was in the youth group. Very, very troubled youth. Uh, and a lot of it had nothing to do with him. It was the circumstances in which he was laid. Uh, he had a grandmother who ended up taking him in. Uh, she cared for him because mom and dad were not able. So he was there and he had a brother as well. Uh, and the truth is, he was one of those guys... Uh, that if, if you're honest on some level, and I'm not trying to insert stuff for you, but he's the type of guy who at church, many people in church would not talk to, and you'd overlook. You know why? He was gruff, he was angry, he wasn't happy, he wasn't easy to talk to, and you had nothing with which to connect with him on. So do you know what happened on many Sundays? You guys know this now, right? No one spoke to him, no one connected to him, he felt alone, but he came every single week. Well, I got to know him over the years that I was working with the youth, and I had an interesting conversation one time in the parking lot. I turned to the young man, and I said, 
in all that you have faced, in all your challenges, would you wish the pain that you have experienced on your worst enemy? I said, no, he didn't skip a beat. He goes, no, I would never do that. I would not wish the person who is the worst at school to ever experience what I have because I don't, you ready for this? I don't think they could handle it. I don't think they could handle it and I wouldn't wish it on them even though I cannot stand them. Well, what I came to learn from this young man is he came to church every week because it was only in church that he heard of grace. He had never experienced grace in his life that was tangible. Now, he had a a grandmother who had welcomed him in, and man, she gave of everything of her life. And there were times where she felt woefully uh, unprepared, including she was the one that hosted the Super Bowl party the year of the Janet Jackson incident. I mean, sorry. So here's a great little anecdotal story for you. So while I'm leading the youth group at that point, and that happens, I did not see that event. (laughs) Most of the youth did. So the next time I see them, I asked, (laughs) it was great. I said, why didn't you tell me? They said, well, what were you going to do about it? We figured it just wouldn't be awkward for you. (laughs) I was like, I was somewhat astute. (laughs) Actually, all I would have said is like, you can't see that, like event over. The unique thing is sometimes we forget how much the young people in church are watching and listening and they actually get it. They actually get it. You see, that young man knew grace and was able to say he would not wish on his worst enemy the pain and sorrow and angst that he felt, but he came to church because there he heard of the Christ, the one who offered himself for all people, the one who would actually set free him from pain and from anguish. The scripture continues in 8 and 9, verses that many of you even know by heart. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, that young man didn't boast like, hey, I got it figured out. He was the most humble man that I have actually met in the youth world. But you know what? You will probably never see him lead an organization, lead some other piece. He's going to do what? He will be contentedly probably one of the people you would love having on your staff. But he's also very quiet. Uh, And he's got a whole lot going on. Just because someone doesn't talk doesn't mean they don't have a lot to say. You maybe just never gave him a chance to talk. And that was a young man that it took me over a year before I could actually talk to him and have a real conversation. Uh, And leaving him behind... Uh, was very troubling. You know why it was troubling? Because I thought I was his solution. Guess who wasn't? (laughs) I wasn't. God already had it solved. But as a human, I was convinced that I was, oh, I mean, I had a diploma, guys, right? I'm a genius. But we all know where that led. It leads into odd places when we believe that some certification or sheet of paper makes us higher and mightier than we ought to be. Instead, when we think of what God's doing, verse 10 tells us that in Christ, in grace, by grace, through faith, God's giving and equipping you so that you might go out and do the things that are before you. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Do you remember where we started? We talked about God having that foundation. See, those earlier verses, uh, chapter 3 and 4, that before the foundation of the world, God planned all this out. He made this so we'd have a chance to go out and actually interact in the world. 
Interacting with other people is one of the great joys in life. Do you know what one of the great frustrations in life is? It's real similar to the first one. Interacting with other people. But when you forget that people actually are a gift, they're a gift. It changes how you interface with them. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see that? God already gave us these opportunities. The question is, will we actually use them? Or will we see them as problems? Will I see an internship, a weed eater, a black tie restaurant, and substitute teaching as an opportunity? Or do I see them as a problem? I can tell you what I initially thought. I thought it was a problem. But it was in looking back that I realized God in his infinite wisdom was giving me a unique season in life to see stuff that I was blinded to at the time. Completely blinded to. Because I thought that I was the center of my story. I thought it was about me. After all, whose life am I living? See, I thought it was me. But that's not the life that the Lord has asked me to live. He invites me to live because Christ is in me to live as Christ would have me live. And to see people as something that matters. See, the power of Ephesians 4 as we move forward talks about us being uh, parts of the body of Christ. Being equipped and God needs every single different part. He needed all those jobs. Truth is, I served a couple people that wanted to relax and went out to dinner as a couple. Uh, And hopefully I did all right. I mean, they ate food. They left, and some of them smiled, a few tipped, some didn't. You know what? I learned about people, a lot about people. If you don't know about people, become a waiter for a little bit. You learn a lot. It's amazing. I can't say I had a lot of fun doing it, but I learned a lot about people. It's really an interesting time. So what is it that God actually was doing at that point? Well, he opened up for me to realize that I had forgotten some things. I forgot that at that moment, God gave me the opportunity to go by a certain group of people in my life that I wasn't able to visit because my schedule normally wouldn't have let me. I got to go every single Friday to go see my grandparents, and I spent two hours with them uh, every single week. The Lord has called them home years ago, but in looking back, if I hadn't had those jobs in that time frame, I would not have had the opportunity to spend time with my grandparents and discover that Melvin Brooks was a very, very funny man. Because I knew him as a man who wore a tie into his 90s every single day. Now, he's a great guy, but I never knew that he was a guy. (laughs) And then I discovered he was. I shared the story. It's funny. I love sharing it. It's when I was sitting on a swing outside, and he looked over at my grandmother standing on the porch and goes, she looks really nice. (laughs) I'm about 22 at the time, and I'm sitting on the swing, and I looked over, and I said, that is the neatest. I never told him this. I said, that's the neatest thing I've ever heard my grandfather say. Because what I discovered was this is a guy who loved his bride all the way until the Lord called him home. But I didn't see that at the time. I saw it as I wanted a different job. I didn't see that I was afforded the opportunity to work with youth in the church. Because sometimes, do you know who works with the youth? No one. Because we don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do, but I discovered I got to meet people who entrusted me with their lives. It takes time. I'm not saying, all you need to work with youth. I'm just sharing with you, are you taking time to invest in people? Whether they sit next to you 
Or, I know this is crazy, they sit two rows behind you and you are scared to ask their name. Remember a few years ago, uh, I invited you all just to meet someone a few rows back? Yeah, I know, you guys are laughing because some of you are still scared of that. It's hilarious. I remember when I asked you, I was like, meet someone after church who's a few rows behind you. And some of you came to me after the service and said, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too scary. And I said, but I told you everyone in the church knew that you would say, hello, I don't remember your name. And we had agreed upon rules that everyone would be able to respond their name. And it was still too scary. See, we all put up impediments uh, to who we are. I also learned in that experience that a next-door neighbor who ran his own lawn and garden business, I had the opportunity to invest in him and his young family. Because he needed that job to make ends meet. And I was just one end. It paid for all the things I needed, but it worked together. I learned a whole lot about a guy who I just knew. His name was Peanut. Now, his actual name was Larry, uh, but we just all called him Peanut. It was the name he carried from his youth. But I learned in those different jobs, God had me there for a reason at that season. As the text starts to close, chapter 5 and 6, I want to leave you with this. This is chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. See, that we actually would live out God's love to those around us. Stop making it about you and start making it about what is God doing through you. You may be very busy, but busy isn't bad. You may not feel relaxed or refreshed, but I might encourage you to realize maybe you're looking for relaxation and rest in the wrong place. When you rest and repose in the Lord, you will find his strength and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. The sacrifice has already been given. God's already given the gift. The cross is empty. It's time for you and I to get off of it and to realize that God's asking us to walk now in the shadow of it. The shadow of the cross and the power of the empty tomb. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.